politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back to the Conservative Review podcast on this gloomy day here in Maryland, Tuesday, August 13th. And let me tell you, between the debt, between illegal immigration, between losing the narrative on gun control, the one issue where Republicans won for decades, it is kind of a gloomy time to be a constitutional conservative. But that's why we are an independent voice here. We do not uh, get schlepped along with the narratives of the left, of the pseudo-right, of the phony conservatives. We steer clear of that. We drive our own path. And the reason is very simple. A lot of people make Trump out to be the biggest deal in the world. If you hate him, he's the biggest deal. If you love him, he's the biggest deal. But the truth is, most of what happens in politics was happening before Trump, happens now, and is going to continue long after him. The left continues to win on fiscal, social, security issues, immigration issues, the courts, because we have a distracted movement. What Trump has done is he's militarized the left to mobilize all of their forces as if we are winning major conservative policy battles, but then we don't get the good part of actually pushing for those battles. So we're kind of left in an awkward position where, in my view, the left is really winning on all of the important policy issues, but then you know Trump gets activated over some dust up in the media, while meanwhile, our forces are completely distracted, much less outnumbered and outmaneuvered. So today, once again, there's a distraction a day. If yesterday it was Jeffrey Epstein, it still is a little bit. Today, it's Chris Cuomo. And now Trump just tweeted out about him. Oh, man, you're the type of guy we need red flag laws to ban guns. And I'm thinking, you know, all of our guys are like, yeah, Trump, go get him, go get him. And I'm thinking, dude, we're losing on guns. We're losing on the First Amendment, on the Fourth Amendment, on due process. And you appreciate some sort of joke from the president. Look, I enjoy some of his comments, but it's like the icing without a cake. You got to have a cake. And I think what's even more important is that Republicans are hellbent on gun control rather than crime control, criminal alien control, sovereignty and security control, issues that we could totally crush the Democrats on. And I have so much more to say on this. And meanwhile, Ivanka Trump, Ivanka, as we uh, call her here at the Conservative Review, she's out there today pushing gun control with lawmakers. Axios is reporting Ivanka Trump has quietly been calling lawmakers since the El Paso and Dayton massacres to gauge their openness to movement on gun legislation. She called Manchin and said she was trying to get a sense of what bills are out there. You know, recently, one of my sons was outside my door when I was recording, and he was telling one of my other sons, hey, I heard, you know, I heard, uh, I heard me talking about Ivanka. And I just expressed frustration. I said, you know, imagine if Zach, who's our youngest, he's four years old, Imagine if Zach were put in charge of all the most important policies. That's what we have with Ivanka. It's not even a matter of being liberal. She's not even liberal. 
She's just virtue signaling. Whatever the media tells her to focus on, yes, I'm a good person. I'm good. I, I care about people. No, you're not a good person. Because when you don't do your homework and you don't know anything about policy and you only focus on what the media tells you to focus on, you are doing harm to public policy. You have no right to get involved. This is not like selling your clothes and your brand. Oh, my brand, I, I don't want to be pinned as a hater, so I, I'm for gun control. You know, and my oldest son actually said, well, at least Zach, if you explained it to him in a babyish way, he would understand what to do. And he's right. Common sense would kick in even with a four-year-old. But when you're dealing with virtue signaling, there is no virtue, there's only signaling. What do I mean by this? Let me give you for an example, right here. So over the weekend, the Washington Post put out this article, they're so proud of themselves, where they listed all the names and pictures of victims of mass shootings since 1966, a period of almost 54 years, 1,196 victims. And what the left likes to do is take a picture and make that a policy punchline, like as if that creates a certain punchline. So in their David Copperfield-like magic tricks, their illusions, they say, hey, focus on this illusion here. Don't focus on what's in front of you. Focus on there. Here, look at this. Focus on this hand. Focus on this little sliver as if it's the most pressing issue, as if it is blown out of proportion, and therefore to steer your focus to the most important policy issue and our policy outcome. The media feasts not just on the bias of the issues we discuss, but on the bias of the issues that they even focus on because they don't provide you any context. So that sounds very riveting. Almost 1,200 people, they show the pictures, but any smart person would say, wait a minute, 54 years, and I know, you know, most of them have been more recently, 1,200 victims. Folks, that is the murder rate in the city of Chicago for about a period of a year and a half. Okay, about a year and a half's murders in Chicago is about 1,200 people. You don't have to go 54 years. And almost all of them are not, or all of them are not mass shootings. They're not done with rifles, mainly handguns and knives. No context. And that is all because of the weak on crime policies, because the drug cartels operate with impunity because of sanctuary cities. Most of them are illegal aliens or criminal aliens that could be deported. We're going to talk more about that today. That's the bigger issue. The loopholes that allow high capacity assault criminals to remain outside of prison and the high capacity assault criminal aliens that allow them to remain in the country. But we don't want to talk about that. But that's the story of Chicago. That's the story of Baltimore. But I want to give you broader context. I looked up the FBI data on the number of homicide victims over that same period of time. Now, they went through 2019. We don't have full homicide data for the last year and a half, just through 2017. So really, I should have went back another two years to 1964. But let's crop that out. So I took a period of 1966 to 2017. Do you know 
You're not going to hear this anywhere else. There were 928,093 homicide victims over that period of time. Almost a million. That means that 0.001% of victims have been, of homicide victims in this country since 1966, have been the result of mass shootings. So shouldn't we focus from a public policy standpoint on the other 99.999% of murders when especially knowing that most mass shooters are very hard to vet out, they're first timers, and yet most of the rest of the homicides in this country are absolutely career criminals in this country, often foreign national ones that we can get out of the country. So Ivanka, if you're such a good person, why don't you join me in going through every one of these criminal alien cases, and I have about 15 I'm researching now, Going through the history, why wasn't he detected? Why was he deported? Or American criminals, why didn't they remain in prison? Why weren't they convicted? Why were they under sentence? Oh, whoops, I forgot. Ivanka is the same person that is working to let thousands of people out of prison after she successfully helped Trump pass this first step act. She wants a second step act to basically undo the criminal justice system in this country. So Ivanka, no, you're not a good person. You don't have any virtue. You only have signaling. Because if you really cared about public safety, you would look at this broader and focus on the issues that are so much more redressable that you are actually making it worse on career criminals. You could take your virtue and shove it where the sun don't shine. So that's with Ivanka. But do you understand this is a perfect illustration of how the media plays magic games and illusions to distract you and focus on only what they want to focus on? 1196 victims. Do you know that there's about 11,000 people a year, not over 54 years, one year, 10 times as many over one year who die because of drunk drivers? Do you how many of them are illegal aliens? I think I don't have those numbers because our government refuses to document this, but roughly 10% of the annual um fatalities due to dr drunk driving, I would say it's safe in my view to say illegals are responsible for at least 10% based on what I'm seeing. That's about 1196 and that's just one year. One year. What about those victims? We discussed one last week. In Colorado, I've seen many more than I'm about to confirm are illegal aliens, where four people were killed in one shot, two people in North Carolina, four people in, a, in a, near Fresno, California last week. Every day, every single day, there are nameless and faceless victims of illegal aliens. And unlike in Ivanka's case, where no gun control law could have prevented any of this, if we would merely enforce our immigration laws and close those loopholes, that she doesn't support, their lives could have been saved. What about the 70,000 people a year who die of illicit drugs, not pharmaceuticals, almost all illicit drugs from the drug cartels that are able to come in because our border patrol doesn't do patrol, it does babysitting work, and then once they're here, see, they're always going to get in the country. I, I understand that. We're never going to end drugs, 
But this degree of lethality and this degree of ubiquitousness throughout the cities, therefore making the prices so cheap because the product is, is everywhere, that is only true because, it only exists because of sanctuary cities. Because at a, at a primary level, anyone in DEA will tell you this. I've reported this before from Robert Murphy, the special agent in charge of DEA in Atlanta. We did an interview with him earlier this year. Hopefully we'll get him on the show one day. That at a primary level, all of the networks are aliens. And we could totally, if we would just deport them all, their networks would be decimated. What happens? The price of drugs would go up. Do you know that Baltimore has the highest level, the highest rate per capita of drug overdoses? So that's the other statistic that you won't hear um, about Baltimore. You're going to hear a lot about the homicides, where the last couple of years they've had the highest homicide rate per, um, per I guess, per jurisdiction. Per 100,000 people, that's how we measure it. They also have the highest drug overdose rate. This is Art Arthur yesterday. Um, terrific uh, article at Center for Immigration Studies, which is a terrific organization, one of the few around. He has an article, Baltimore is a model for Democrat schizophrenia on immigration. And he goes into noting how Baltimore has the highest rate per capita of drug overdoses. Highest rate. And guess why? The criminal alien networks could operate with impunity. They don't fear anything, they don't fear anyone. This is the story no one's talking about. 70,000 a year. And by the way, ICE catches enough aliens every reoccurring year that are responsible for roughly 2,000 homicides. One year, 2,000, double the Washington Post number from 54 years worth of mass shooting victims. We never see the names and faces of those people. And instead, we have loophole after loophole that's now opening up where places like Baltimore, places like Massachusetts and New York and Washington and Oregon are doing everything they can to ensure these people aren't detected, or if they're legal immigrants with green cards where you need a certain criminal threshold to deport them, they make sure they're not convicted beyond that threshold so they're not deported. There's a whole new scam going on. You know, in Massachusetts, I've spoken to DEA and ICE agents, and they tell me the entirety of the drug problem. And when I say the entirety of the drug problem, I don't mean the existence of any drugs. I mean, the last couple years with the cartels flooding things is the result of a Lawrence, Massachusetts. They call it a blank hole, by the way. That's what all of them call it. Starts with an S. And uh, the Dominican gangs, which are all criminal aliens, uh, peddling the drugs for Sinaloa. They say, we know where they are. We could bust them up tomorrow. But because of all the lawfare and the courts and the state courts and the sanctuary politicians, they make it impossible to deport anyone anymore. Thousands of people die because of this. And it's so much more redressable because it lies at the nexus of sovereignty, which is so easy to, to, to redress. 
We don't need other countries' criminals. Indeed, we don't have to have them. Dan Cadman, Center for Immigration Studies, has become a friend of mine. Dan was a uh, former ICE agent. And he noted as part of this growing um, phenomenon where state courts and federal courts and sanctuary politicians are finding ways to ensure that criminal aliens remain in the country. He, he said this appellate court, the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court, has vitiated con a conviction of an alien by permitting him to withdraw his guilty plea as a consequence of not having advised him on the potential immigration deportation consequences of such a plea. So basically, there was this guy that was convicted of assault, threatening people with um, a deadly weapon. He threatened to shoot two people. Yes, an illegal alien got a hold of a gun. So you see, it's already illegal for them to get a hold of a gun, and they get a hold of it anyway. So gun control is not the issue. Immigration control and crime control on the person, not the stupid item, is the answer, Ivanka Trump. But anyway, I digress. So he was convicted. So this is like a bad dude. We should all agree. This guy who was threatening gun violence. Don't we care about gun violence? Okay, well, should we have violent gun felons from other countries' foreign nationals? Isn't that the easiest thing? The lowest hanging fruit of gun violence is to get rid of other people, other countries' violent gun felons, right? Very simple. So this guy was, um, I guess he was a, a legal immigrant, but still he shouldn't have had a gun. They're not, for the most part, they're not allowed to own, uh, own firearms. And I guess he had a green card. So you need a certain, you can't just deport a legal immigrant. They have to have a criminal conviction. So the Massachusetts, um, Massachusetts just made up a law that um, they know that the feds are going to deport people if they're convicted. So they're making it harder and harder to get a conviction. And they made this bogus law that the illegal alien or the legal criminal alien has to be apprised of the fact during the trial by the judge and the prosecutor that by being convicted for this offense, they run the risk of being deported. Okay? So, basically, to begin with, this law is, is bogus. I mean, this, a state has the right to mandate that on their state judges, but it shouldn't stop ICE from deporting them. On federal grounds, that is a legitimate conviction. I don't care if you know, the state doesn't believe it is. That's nonsense. But anyway, the latest court ruled that this guy in this case already had the warning. They did do it properly. But there was another you know, nuance in the trial and it was like a second round and they felt they didn't do it properly for that round. So vacated the conviction. Who is closing the criminal alien assault loopholes? The high capacity criminal alien loopholes, the ones that have endless <clears throat> criminal records and remain in this country. We talked about it all last week, and I have numerous more cases. Now, Dan has a great idea. Now, we shouldn't legitimize this at all, what, what these states are doing, whatever happened to the supremacy clause. But he had a great idea that every alien seeking admission to the United States should, at the time he applies, have to um, be obliged to sign a statement of acknowledgement that a conviction of criminals, you know, for criminal statutes may carry with it the consequence of removal 
from the country. That's something the government should do now. And again, this is something we do here at the Conservative Review. We review conservatism, which really is public safety for everyone in this case, of things that our government could actually do, the Trump administration could actually do, rather than focus on stupidity. So that's with that. Now, there's so many more of these cases. Molly Tibbetts' murderer. If you remember, this was a young girl, a woman in uh, Iowa, college student, I believe, who was butchered and thrown in a landfill by illegal alien Christian Bahena Riviera in Brooklyn, Iowa last year. It's 20-year-old college student Molly Tibbetts. And um, so now there's a trial. This guy's a legal alien from Mexico. John Binder, a terrific reporter from Breitbart, reported this last week that the lawyers for him, and, and, and it's amazing, they always get the best lawyers. Men are these guys good. You know, you and I would have to go bankrupt trying to hire these guys, but somehow they all have this work. They filed a 29-page motion saying that Rivera's constitutional rights were violated. <clears throat> you see that he claims that when the local Iowa police took him in for questioning, they did not make it clear that he could have contacted the Mexican consulate before speaking to law enforcement. Providing this information to Bahena, a confused, exhausted, and vulnerable Mexican national, was seeking trustworthy help, would have triggered an invocation of consular notification and a decision to await the consulate's dis assistance before making any other statements, the defense attorneys wrote in the motion. And this is Binder writes this. Last year, more than 200 American taxpayers sent letters to the court saying that illegal aliens living in the U.S. do not have constitutional rights and therefore should not be awarded taxpayer money to pay for the defense. Among other accusations, the defense attorney said police did not read Bahena Rivera his Miranda rights until, until hours into a 12-hour interview, a violation of his constitutional rights. Bahena Rivera has, quote, very limited Mexican education and, quote, wholly unfamiliar with the U.S. criminal justice system. So this trial is going to go on forever. And frankly, I don't even know if we'll, we'll land a conviction. I mean, even a guy who, like, open and shut, they got the evidence, he gruesomely murdered an American as an illegal alien, even a guy like this, there's so many loopholes for them to get out. I don't know if he'll succeed in this case, but I'm just telling you, this happens in so many cases. Up is down, down is up. The inmates are running the asylum. This is the illegal aliens country. We just live in their country. And I just want you to know something very clear. So there's no misunderstanding about rights for people to remain in this country who are not American citizens. There's a man named James Iredell, I-R-E-D-E-L-L. -L. He was one of the prime drafters of Article 3 of the Constitution, which lays out the role of the judicial, the judicial branch. And he was one of the original Supreme Court justices appointed by George Washington. In a 1799 court case, he said the following. It's very important. Any alien coming to this country must ought to know that this being an independent nation, it has all the rights concerning the removal of aliens, which belong by law of the nations to any other. That while he remains in the country in the character of an alien, and that means even a legal immigrant he was talking about, 
He can claim no other privilege than such as an alien is entitled to, and consequently, whatever risk he may incur in that capacity is incurred voluntarily, with the hope that in due time, by his unexceptionable, unexceptionable conduct, he may become a citizen of the United States. But certainly, if someone's unexceptionable, if he's a criminal, and certainly if they're an illegal alien, they have no right to be here, and there is absolutely no barrier to the federal government removing such an individual. That's the true constitutional view, but unfortunately, that's never enforced anymore because we've allowed the courts to flip the law on its head, constitution on its head, sanctuary cities reign supreme, while states can't do anything on any other policy, somehow they're all powerful to thwart immigration law. So we have all of these loopholes to allow criminals to remain out of jail, illegal alien criminals or criminal aliens to remain in this country. And Ivanka Trump, see, she doesn't know, she only knows what the media tells her to know. I mean, think about it. There are 16, roughly 1,600 people a year murdered from knives, sharp objects. That's, there are more people mo uh, killed by knives in one year than the number of people killed by so-called assault rifles over the course of 54 years. Yet Ivanka Trump, nah, she doesn't, she doesn't know that. I'm a good person, you see. A very, very, very good person. So what else do we have here? Um, there, there are tons of criminal alien cases we're, we're focusing on. We have today, we're going to have an article out detailing how two more illegal aliens killed family members. You know, there's this new business now that we're not allowed to enforce our sovereignty because they bring kids with them and it would result in separation. Even though American criminals are separated from their kids all the time as a consequence of committing the crime, we have to punish them. So here, um, no, we can't enforce it anymore. It's all about families. Yet the media will never report when illegal aliens themselves separate their own family members through murder. Among the illegal alien, criminal alien murder and mayhem that we have in this country, I've said this before. Most crime, violent crime, and particularly murder and sex offenses are committed against people known to the assailant. The victim knows the assailant, the assailant knows the victim. According to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, over the course of about a 15-year study, it's a little bit old, but I'm sure the data is, is the same now because this is, is a very fixed, a very fixed uh, principle in criminology. Between 73 and 79% of criminals of, of murders in this country or murder victims know their assailant, right? They know each other. In other words, only a small percentage are complete strangers. That's how it works. So when you have illegal aliens committing all this crime that nobody wants to talk about, guess what? A good part of the time, they're going to be murdering other immigrants, other, if they're Hispanic, they're, it's going to be Hispanic because it's going to be people in their community, legal or illegal. And that includes family members. Why am I the only one reporting this? So today I reported on two cases, one in Tennessee 
and one in Washington state, where these are high profile murders in their local area, but no one in the local media is reporting that those individuals were illegal aliens and there currently are ICE detainers on those individuals. I'm the first person to break that news. There's something wrong with that. There's something seriously wrong. One case was in Union Gap, um, Washington, near Prosser, Washington, where this illegal was in this country for like 30 years um, or 25 years. He was deported in 98. He was deported in 2010. He had a DUI conviction in 96. I think he had other convictions, but I'm not 100% sure it's the same name. So I didn't want to put in the article, you know, as I was delving through the court records. So I got that information from ICE that he was twice deported before. And guess what? He had a 45 cal and he shot his wife three times in the chest and murdered her. This story is such a teachable lesson. Because this guy's Fuentes Rosas was his name. This guy um, who was was arrested on Sunday. He had a gun, again, even though it's illegal for an illegal alien to have a gun. Because we're never going to stop all the guns. But the criminal people we could, especially that are known to law enforcement, which most murders, most homicide victims are the result of a murderer who was known to law enforcement. These mass shootings are the exception to the rule. That's why they're the hardest to deal with. These are the lowest hanging fruits. Why? Why? Well, first of all, if we had border security, a guy like this couldn't remain in the couldn't come back in to the country. See what you don't see the virtue signals signalers as they see all of the children at the border by making border patrol babysitters and taking them off the line. These are the people that get in people, criminals that were deported. Because we have sanctuaries that allow them to remain undetected in the country, this is why they're incentivized to come back. And because they don't turn them over to ICE and they're able to remain undetected, this is how a guy like this could remain for ten, you know, almost 10 years since he was last deported and he killed another illegal alien. But no one reported his immigration status. Another case in, t in Tennessee, this father and son who was a legal alien, the father stabbed the son to death. And I don't have much information other than there is an ICE detainer on him and he's a Mexican national. They both worked for a construction company doing highway work in Knoxville, Tennessee. Again, because we haven't, at least until now, been enforcing our employment laws. That's the magnet. Why is no one looking at these? You know what? What if we had elected Republicans in these various states that would take all the cases I focus on and say, wait a minute, let's examine, examine this. How was this allowed to happen? How, why wasn't he deported? Why wasn't he detected? How was he able to work? How is it that he had multiple convictions and he wasn't deported? How is it that he was able to come back at the border? All of these loopholes. Every Republican in all of their states should be focused on it. Yet there's not a single Republican, not one, not one who's focusing on any of this. A single one of these cases, high capacity criminal aliens, assault criminal aliens. 
How do we get more career criminals behind jail, behind bars? Nothing. This is another case put out by uh, CBP. I've lost track of all the sex offenses in Louisiana. I've seen about 10 of them, illegal alien sex offenders, child molesters. U.S. Border Patrol agents assigned to the Baton Rouge station arrested an illegal alien Wednesday afternoon, this is last Wednesday, who is wanted in East Baton Rouge Parish for felony carnal knowledge of a juvenile and forcible rape and being present in the United States illegally. Border Patrol agents responded to a call for assistance August 7th. Um, basically, upon arriving, the agents encountered the vehicle containing the occupants, two of whom admitted to being illegally present in the United States. The two subjects, both Guatemalan citizens, were taken into custody and transported to the Baton Rouge station for processing. The third occupant presented a valid permanent resident card and was released. So a legal immigrant that we gave a green card to or some sort of valid documentation is involved in, in with bad people, and of course, he'll be let go. During processing, was revealed that the driver had provided a fraudulent name. Um, he's a 40-year-old who was wanted um, for rape of a minor. These are the pictures. These children, you'll never see their pictures or names. Now, I'm not saying I want names of children who are abused, but I'm just saying... These are the statistics you won't see. And it's 100% redressable. They're coming straight from the border, from these backwoods places in the Mayan villages in, in Guatemala, where it is part of the culture that they have relations with kids very young. It is rampant. Border agents will tell you that. It is rampant which is why they have to have special protocols in place for those that come with, with minors. We're not worried about those children. We don't see that crying child on camera, do we? To create punchlines, policy punchlines. No, the media will lead us to where they want to go, and Ivanka will just go like a Teletubby right there. Another bozo Teletubby. So that's what the Teletubbies here. So much of this is avoidable. So much of this is redressable. And there's not a single case. I can't get a single Republican to talk about that. A single person in the White House, a single person at DHS to really focus on these cases. And by the way, I'm working on so many more cases, like you know, terrorism cases where people got a green card from Yemen, were arrested in Arkansas for um, material support to uh, al-Qaeda. And I was like, hey, I want to know, how did he get a green card? Because he also was caught engaging in passport fraud. USCIS media tells me, the press shop, we can't give you anything, privacy. Us Americans don't have any privacy when they want to come after us. But let me tell you, foreign nationals in this country, yep, including the worst criminals and terrorists, they can't tell me anything about his immigration status. This is under the Trump administration. Again, this is stuff you will not hear anywhere else. But this is the problem. Imagine if every Republican would take his district, his state, and focus on all these cases and go through and investigate and hold field hearings. Even if you're in the minority and you don't control the hearings, take a couple of members and hold a field hearing. Go out somewhere in the country, get some cameras, put it on YouTube. Nope. 
So we have a one-sided narrative. The left defines morality in this country because they define the data and the information that's getting out. And we have Trump's own daughter giving into it. And of course, so many of my colleagues are scared of losing their access to the president. So rather than giving him the tough love he needs, like, hey, Mr. President, this is not what we voted for. Nobody voted for Ivanka. Instead, they're like, oh, I'm not going after her. I'm scared. I don't want to lose my access to the White House. Well, then we're going to get liberal policies under this president. It doesn't have to be this way, folks. And let me tell you, you could take this to the bank. Organized crime cannot exist and it cannot persist without political protection. And most of the death and mayhem that we're talking about is caused by organized crime. Because the greatest organized crime is drugs, drug trafficking, and illegal immigration. And the two are connected. I'm not saying to have an expensive war against drugs. I'm saying you simply enforce our sovereignty without any political protection. Come back to me about the magnitude and degree of the drug crisis. I would go back to pre-2014 level. I think we, we all would. And that's the issue here, friends. That is the issue. Ivanka Trump wants to focus on this tiniest sliver that is the hardest to address, the tiniest sliver that our first-timers, random lone wolves come out of nowhere, as opposed to most of what we see, which is out in the open, which is totally redressable, and has political protection beginning with her and people like her. By the way, it's just coming out in the news now as we're recording that there was another attack on a nice facility. There's someone in custody. San Antonio police arrested someone who evidently tried to shoot or did shoot at an ICE facility in San Antonio or near San Antonio to get the details. And uh, some windows were broken. No one was killed, thankfully. We'll see what this guy has to say. But the first attacker in in uh, Washington on an ICE facility, which, by the way, no Republican really made any hay out of that or talked about that. They all cited AOC's rhetoric on ICE being a bunch of Nazis and running concentration camps, which, by the way, was the language that the Dayton shooter used as well. How much do you want to bet that not a single Republican, including a Republican in Texas, will even talk about this? Now, that happens to be in the district of or near the district or in the district. I'm not sure exactly where of Chip Roy. Now, he's currently in Israel on on a trip. But I'm sure he'll say something about it, but you could count on it. Nobody will focus on it. And again, then the left runs the narrative. They're the only ones with a narrative and policies flow from narrative. Narrative flows from dissemination of data and information. There's only one side doing it. And the president's own daughter is joining in with that. You know, now that we're having a show on Ivanka today, through that prism, I want to go through one other important piece of news. We have an article out today on how 20, there's been a 27% increase over last year in the deficit and a 70% increase in the deficit since 2016, Obama's last year. 
How is that for a positive policy outcome from electing Republicans? Here's some numbers for you. This just came out from the Treasury Department. For the first 10 months of the fiscal year, this was on July. There's two more months left of the fiscal year, August and September. So far, outlays have topped $3.73 trillion for this year, nearly $300 billion more than at this time last year. While meanwhile, revenue is up 3%. So for all the talk of the tax cuts creating deficits, revenue is actually up 3%. And yet deficits are still exploding. It's all from spending. All from spending. 26.7% increase in the deficit this year. We're now going to approach, we're probably going to surpass a trillion dollar deficit at the end of the year. What we thought we put in the rearview mirror of Obama's first term, that's what we have under Trump, under Republicans. By the way, inflation is growing. Just so you know, Inflation is growing by 1.6%, average annually over a 12-month window. So deficit grows by 27%. Inflation is just 1.6%. What is the single biggest driver of that debt? Fourteen point four percent increase in Medicaid and Medicare spending. I'm sorry, fourteen point four percent increase in interest on the debt and 12.6% on Medicare. So the single biggest driver of the debt is actually the interest payments on the debt itself. This is how the debt is reinforcing a circuitous cycle, a death spiral. This is why, in my view, the economy is cooling. And even when it was doing well, and the job market's still doing very well, we're not netting 3 4% GDP growth. But the biggest driver of the interest on the debt is healthcare. Healthcare is a dumpster fire. Healthcare is socialist in this country. We Republicans are like, oh, we have to fight socialist healthcare. You've agreed to socialist healthcare. And when I say socialist healthcare, I don't just mean Republicans coming to peace and advocating Obamacare, which they're doing. I mean everything we've been doing, the market distortions, the monopolies we've created, Medicare, Medicaid, it creates a need for it. Medicare and Medicaid, people don't realize in this country, we don't have socialist health care. We have what I call venture socialist health care, where the government, through market distortions, subsidies, regulations, the tax code, and, and Medicare and Medicaid, create artificial monopolies of this insurance health conglomerate cartel to price fix consumers into oblivion. So we have no control over it like we do in other areas of the marketplace. I'm going to give you an amazing statistic. In 1960, as a nation, we spent $27 billion, $27 billion on healthcare. In today's money, adjusted for inflation, that would be $250 billion. That's what we should be spending, $250 billion, if this would be 1960, just adjusted for inflation. Now we spend over $3.3 trillion as a nation and more than half of that is government spending. More than half of that is government spending. Government is continuing this death spiral of spending, monopolization, price inflation, which in turn creates more need to spend. The more you subsidize and give a monopoly to the insurance cartel, the more they got you. 
they have control over you and they're going to continue continue upping the prices. That creates a bigger need for subsidization on and on. That's where we are today. And that's why now we are at 22.3 trillion in debt. 2.4 trillion more than when Republicans than when Trump took office and 8.3 trillion more than when Republicans first won back Congress in 2011 in the era of the Tea Party when we thought that 14 trillion in debt was unconscionable and now we're at 22.3 trillion. And what that has done is it's created a scenario where the interest payments are so steep now, that's the fastest growing part of our debt. How does this relate back to Ivanka? Okay. So this, all these numbers that we read to you are from this year. It doesn't factor in the future with the debt deal they just created to have an unlimited debt ceiling suspension for two years and a $321 billion busting of the budget caps. So this is going to get much worse next year. Next year is going to blow out this year. So people need to realize that it doesn't have to be this way. Just because they wrote a bill busting this, the budget caps doesn't mean they have to write an actual appropriation bill agreeing to the busting. Meaning now that they passed that law, they abolished the budget cap. So they're not constrained by it, but they don't have to spend it. So they still have to pass another spending bill in September. Shouldn't we fight for this? So Trump's Office of Management and Budget, which is run by conservatives, but no one in the West Wing listens to them, they're trying to write a rescission bill to claw back wasteful spending. So listen to this from rollcall.com. White House foreign aid cuts spare Ivanka, Pence, Ivanka and Pence favorite programs. Funding to support global health programs, promote women's economic development, and protect Christians and other religious minorities, that's the latter is Pence's thing, abroad from persecution would be exempt from the package of cuts of foreign aid that the White House is developing. Ivanka Trump, the president's daughter and advisor, yeah, very, very much an expert, real advisor, spearheaded creation of the Women's Global Development and Prosperity Initiative, which announced its first round of grants last month, totaling $27 million. So, now we have to spend money on a global women's initiative for other countries when we're in debt, and that's untouchable. How much more of conservatism, of just sane public policy, are we going to see to Ivanka? But daddy, I need open borders. But daddy, I need jailbreak of criminals being let out of jail. But daddy, I need gun control. But daddy, I need spending on my pet liberal projects. No, we didn't vote for this. And it's time for these cowards in the so-called conservative movement to stand up to her and stop worrying about their access to the White House and say, Mr. President, you are ruining your own mandate. There's no reason for this. God bless you for being close with your family. That's a beautiful thing. All of us are close with family members. We all have members of the family that don't share our views on, on politics or have a different worldview than us. That's fine. You can get along with them, but you can't make them your top advisor to supersede the policy advice of the people that represent the base who voted for you. That is the message the president needs to take to heart. That is the tough love all of us need to give to him. Till tomorrow, thank you all for listening. You could always send me feedback at 
dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Tweet me at rmconservative. God bless y'all. Thank you.